the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Real Life Radio is sponsored by River City Community Church. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Radio for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people like you find the real life you were created for and then find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we hear the final message in the series called A Church for Real Life. And a vision is one that has a potential to impact thousands of lives right here in San Antonio. This is the mission and the responsibility of the church, which is you and me. The vision for a church for real life depends, though, on followers of Jesus stepping up and taking ownership. The message today is called, Now What? What do we do with this vision? You are going to get to look behind the curtain at the vision given to Pastor Sean. It's time for Radio for Real Life. Okay, now what? What do we do from here? So we're part of this great church, this great mission, this vision that God's given us. Okay, now what? And to introduce that kind of idea, I want to go back to the beginning, what we first talked about. You remember we said, we started this whole thing by saying a church for real life is all about Jesus. It really is. It's all about Jesus. It starts with Jesus. It's empowered through Jesus. It's going to be finished by Jesus. It really is. In fact, the whole idea of real life is from John 10.10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that you might have life and have it to the fullest. Have it more abundantly. That you might have real life is the way we've paraphrased it. And so that's what we're talking about. A church for real life is all about what Jesus Christ is doing, what he's, his passion is, and what his heart is. Our mission is more people living real life by passionately following Jesus. Now, you remember in that first message, we broke down that phrase, church for real life, and saw that there's really three key elements of a church for real life in the phrase. The first is that a church for real life is a place to find life, to find life in Christ. So many people that we know, so many people that we care about, are not living real life in Christ. They're far from him. There's a brokenness. It's a place to find life in him. We also saw that church for real life is a place to be real. Sadly, church is sometimes a place where I think, at least we have a reputation, and sometimes maybe it's true, to where we pretend and where we kind of put on that everything's okay, you know? And we talked about how that doesn't do any good. You know, church shouldn't be the place where you go, how you doing? And the first thing is fine, you know? Or, or even if you want to really juice it up, do it with a little more syrupy southern, you know? I'm blessed, brother. I'm doing good. How about you? You know? And you're kind of like, ugh. Are you serious? But there's this, this artificial thing that can happen. And, and we saw that to whatever degree we fake it, we are stiff-arming the work of God's Spirit. We're stiff-arming the value of Christian community. It just doesn't work. There's got to be a sense where we open up and get real because that's where God brings healing, where he brings life, where he brings restoration. So it's a place to find life. It's a place to be real. And we saw it's a place to reclaim the church because the church has been pretty battered. The church's image, the idea of church has been pretty battered in our culture. There's a whole lot of people, and they're not just non-church people. There are a lot of Christians who say, oh, we don't really need the church. It's just me and God, and I'm just fine. And I just want to say that's messed up. Jesus said, I, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And we need to reclaim that idea of what we're supposed to be, of what the church is really about, of who we are. And folks, I hope through the course of this series, you've been reminded several times, I want to remind you again, 
our world desperately needs real life. Desperately needs real life. You know, everybody who ministered and served at the different events yesterday got to see firsthand. And, you know, we're just talking about right here in our city. You know, we know all over the world there's need. We just got a team that came back from India, saw incredible need. We, we, all over the world, and there's great opportunities to do that. I encourage you. But the folks from yesterday realized within a half hour of here, there's unbelievable need and brokenness and desperation and pain and hurt and hunger. And if you think it's just there in those places that are kind of project-oriented, it's not. It's like in my neighborhood. It's in your neighborhood. It's all around us. This last week, I sat with a couple of different kids from our school, and just my heart broke for them because of what they're going through. Just struggles that have started in broken families, and you know now a, a parent or a caretaker or a grandparent is really trying to just help and support and encourage, but there's just so much baggage there. And these are kids that I know. These are not bad kids, but they've got, been through such stuff and brokenness because of sin. Not theirs, someone else's, but they're sitting there reaping the harvest. And it's all over. It's everywhere. We desperately need real life. And that's what we're all about. And I just want to say, it's not going to happen by accident. If it were, Jesus wouldn't have needed to die. Jesus wouldn't have said, I'll build my church. None of it. It's not going to happen by accident that real life will just spring up everywhere. And so the question is, what's our role? What's our role? And if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 12. John chapter 12, beginning of verse 23, is an interesting passage because Jesus starts with his mission, and then he kind of switches it and kind of shifts to where he begins to talk about how it relates to us and our mission. It's a very subtle thing that happens, but it's, I think, really instructive. John 12, beginning in 23, we read, Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. He begins by talking about its time. The hours come for the Son of Man to be glorified. What he's talking about, okay? He's talking about his final hour because he then goes on to say, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it cannot bear fruit. So he's saying, he's talking about his own hour, and this was right before he's betrayed, he's crucified, and then resurrected. And it's interesting that he uses the phrase, the Son of Man, to be glorified. In other words, revealed for who he is and what he came for. Crucified, risen, and revealed. And he speaks in this way, this glorification through the laying down of his life. But what's fascinating, he doesn't stop there. He now switches it, begins to illustrate how his mission, his particular approach, has a significant effect on us and is informative and instructive into our calling and our approach. And he shares some general principles. First is the grain of wheat principle. And it's this, if a grain of wheat stays in the barn, okay, we we all understand, it goes bad. There's nothing that's going to happen to it. It doesn't produce any fruit. It ends up just getting sour and ruined. Ever had that happen? We had some grain from when we had a horse years ago that we just had never used, and it sat, and I didn't even know it was there, in the bottom of a barrel in our barn. And we had to clean out recently. And let me just tell you, that stuff was nasty, and it had eaten through the bottom of the deal. Nothing good came from it. It was just gross. And that's what happens to seed that isn't used for what it's supposed to be used for, that isn't sown. Seed that stays in the barn just goes bad. But when it's planted... 
what happens is it technically, I guess, dies because it ceases to exist in the form that it was. But what it actually does is it actually generates new life. And now it bears fruit and it multiplies, not just addition. It's not like one goes away and another one comes back. No, one goes away and an entire plant with many seeds comes back. It's this idea of multiplication. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. It multiplies. And then he says, whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. What he's saying is what you hold on to, you will lose. So he means loves his life, hangs on. What you hold on to, you'll lose. What you lay down for the kingdom, you will keep. What he's pointing out is that there's two worlds that we're all a part of, right? There's the, there's the temporal world, this material world, the stuff that we kind of interact with all the time. That physical world, we understand it's temporal. This building, it's a big, solid, strong building, but we all know it's going to decay eventually. It's going to deteriorate, and one day they're going to bulldoze it, and it's going to be gone because it is not forever. It is temporal. And we live in a world like that. And we understand that even this body of ours is temporal. But we also understand that there's two worlds side by side existing together. One is temporal, one is eternal. And we are a part of both because we have a spirit in us that is eternal. And Jesus is saying whatever you hold on to in the temporal, you are going to lose it. Because the day is going to come, and you just need to know, especially now, and they're making the caskets so small, you can't take anything in those. You can't fit anything in them. There's really no room at all, okay? They're sleek, aerodynamic, but you can't get anything in them. All right, but, you know, we act like we can keep it. We hoard it. We hang on to it. And Jesus says, whatever you do that with, you lose. It's gone to you. It doesn't produce anything. You just lose it. He says, but what you give away what you invest in the kingdom. Because he's talking about this eternal. He says you keep. Remember, we've, all, we've said before, you, you can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. That's what Jesus is, Jesus is talking about in Matthew 6, when he says don't store up treasure here on earth, but store it up in heaven. He's literally saying there, there are eternal things that you can invest in that you actually will be able to reap the benefit of and you will be able to take with you. Well, we understand there's two things in this world eternal that we can invest in, right? There's God, our relationship with him, walking with him, living in him, God in our spirit. And then there's people. They are eternal. So we understand that there are eternal things that we can invest in versus, and, and anything we do that with, we get to keep, ultimately. But everything else that we hold on to, it just sits, and ultimately we lose it. Whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. And then listen to what he says. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. Um, If we claim to serve Jesus, if we claim to be his, we must follow him. He laid down his life, so must we. And you're you're looking at me right now like, oh, Sean, this is a real sunshiny message. Thanks. Appreciate that. I want to say to you, it is. He's giving us a secret to a life of significance. And look at, verse, look at, look at the, the, the very end of verse 26. He throws this in, and you could breeze right over this if you're not careful. If anyone serves me, remember he says, if he serves me, he must follow me where I am, my servant will be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. That means you can trust him with your future, with your desire for significance. You can trust him with your dreams. You can trust him with your life. See, Jesus is illustrating 
what a life of significance looks like. First his, laying down his life, and then ours. And he's highlighting the importance of giving your life to something lasting. You want to live a life of significance. You want something of substance. You want something you can actually take with you for eternity. You've got to learn to invest in the things that are eternal. We want to take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Radio for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the pastor of River City Community Church, in this message called Now What? which is available right now on the sermon page in a series called A Church for Real Life at reallife.org. Where there you can even watch a video podcast of this message and series. And if you're looking for a new church home, here's your invitation from Pastor Sean. Do you ever look at your life and feel like you were made for something more? Jesus made a simple statement. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give you abundant life, real life. I talk to a lot of people, and many seem to feel like they're settling for a whole lot less. Hi, I'm Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church, and we are so convinced that we were made for something better. We call ourselves a church for real life. I'd like to invite you to join us for one of our weekend gatherings, which are an exciting and artistic blend of music, reflection, and practical insights, all designed to explore the life that God meant for us. River City is located a mile and a half outside of Loop 1604 on Lookout Road across from Otama Park. Service times are Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 9.30 and 11.15 a.m. River City is a church for real life, so our home on the web is reallife.org. To find out more, visit us online at reallife.org. God created you for something very special. Come find out more at River City Community Church. And now back to the message, Now What? This is Radio for Real Life. And so... The question is, if I can trust him with this, what are you giving your life to? Because we all give our life to something, don't we? We all give our life to something. What are you giving your life to? There's lots of things we can give our life to. Some of us might say, you know, it feels like based on my actual time investment and everything, I'm giving my life to a career. And I hope the career will get back to me, but I'm giving my life to a career. I want to say to you, you're giving your life to a career. You're giving your life to something temporal. Not that there aren't eternal things that can be done along the way, but you just got to be careful. Now be careful because it can be all about holding on to getting what I can get and then realizing far too late, oh my gosh, I, I gave my life to something that can't give back what I thought it could. Some of us may be given our lives to, to acquiring stuff, acquiring wealth. You know, the scorecard is the bank account. The scorecard is how much stuff I have. Let me just tell you, that's the stuff that one day we've got to leave. And so many people thought that's the key to fulfillment, significance, happiness, only to be really disappointed and realize, man, I got to the top of the ladder and it was leaning against the wrong building the whole time. I got somewhere, it's just not where I wanted to be. You can invest your whole life in your family, you can invest your whole life in, in people, you can invest your whole life in a lot of different things. What are you investing your life in? What are you giving your life to? Romans 12.1, Paul wrote it in a way that I think maybe we can relate to a little better. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. You see, most of us won't be called upon to martyr ourselves. Jesus was literally called to be a martyr so that we could have redemption. We could, our sins could be paid for on the, his cross. We could have life. There are certain Christian saints throughout history who have been called to be martyrs. And I can't, I can't promise anything for anyone. But most of us will not. And that's what Paul's talking about. He's saying, he's saying no, no, this, is, <laughs> this isn't just about going and being martyred. This is about laying down your life as a living sacrifice. 
as a spiritual act of worship to the Lord. So as the question is, what are you giving your life to? I want to challenge you as we wrap this series up. I want to leave you with this thought. If you're taking notes, please write this down and remember this. I think a church for real life is a vision worth giving your life to. I think a church for real life is a vision worth giving your life to. Our mission, more people living real life by passionately following Jesus. I mean, imagine with me for a moment more people filled with God's Spirit. You, you remember what the fruit of the Spirit is, right? Filled with the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, meekness, self-control. I mean, just think of those first three, love, joy, peace. Do you think we could use more of that in the world? Love, joy, and peace. Stop and think about that. And some, you don't even need to go far. Just think about your Thanksgiving table. How great would it be if everyone around your Thanksgiving table next week is filled with the Spirit and therefore is exhibiting the fruit, the natural byproduct of the Spirit-filled life, which is love, joy, and peace. Maybe some of you wouldn't go, oh, Thanksgiving. I'm thankful on Thanksgiving because it's only one day. You know, it's sad, but a lot of people feel that way because, you know, we, we hang out we, we, in our families, our friends, our circles. We have broken people, lost people. Well, that's the good news. The good news is that we have an answer. Imagine more people filled with the Spirit. Let's go beyond our Thanksgiving table. Experience people walking in love and joy and peace. Imagine the difference in your office. Imagine the difference in your neighborhood. Your neighborhood association meeting. Think about that stuff. Think about people really filled with the Spirit. Imagine social media. Wouldn't social media be different? I mean, think about that. People just filled with the Spirit. And what was coming out was the fruit of the Spirit. That's our mission. I think it's worth giving our lives to. Imagine more people living a life that God created them for instead of just kind of burning time trying to make enough to get through the week and then enjoy a little bit on the weekend and then do it again next week. Imagine people living the life of significance and meaning that God created them for. We all could list people right now that we love and care about. We just go, man, they're so sad because they're not living the life that God created them for. Imagine them living that life. That's what a church for real life is all about. Imagine more people Caring for one another, loving one another, really walking in community. See, that's what the church is supposed to be. We are supposed to be the model of what God designs for relationships. We really are. The church is supposed to be that model of committed, loving relationships, not perfect people, not a place where where it's all utopia and roses all the time, but where people really love each other and care for each other and walk in community together. Imagine more people caring for one another and loving one another. Imagine more people caring for the poor. I mean, yesterday was just a little glimpse of what you can do when you care for... Imagine more people following Jesus and taking up his, his call to care for the poor. And not just give money. But imagine that we're talking about taking the poor into your community and so that they, they now learn different life skills. They now have a network of people to help them. They now t- totally change because of the community that God places them in. And they become life-giving, contributing, 
multiplying followers of Jesus. Imagine if we could, I mean, I, I think about this. Th- think about if we were serious about reaching people for Christ and those people followed Jesus and loving one another, being filled with the Spirit, caring for the poor. What if we could actually statistically see the number of people in poverty go down because of more Jesus people loving and caring for and helping to rebuild lives of the poor? That's the mission of a church for real life. And I think it's a mission worth giving your life to. I think, this, I think a church for real life is a vision worth giving your life to. And so this morning, as we wrap this up, I want to extend an invitation to you with three questions. Three questions. First, number one, will you own the vision of a church for real life? Will you own the vision? You know what I mean when I say that, okay? I hope you can see the difference we can potentially make. But, but owning the vision is making it your own, okay? It's our church. It's our mission. It's not Sean's. It's not just the pastor's. It's not just the elders or maybe the leadership, okay? It's all of ours. My question is, will you make it yours? Will you dive in? Will you commit to the vision and say, I'm, I so believe in that, that's my vision. I want to see that too. I think that's what Jesus wants for the world. I think he's what he wants for this fellowship and this community, and I'm a part of it. So I think that's what he wants me to be a part of. Commit to the vision. Will you get off the bench? And some of you, the step, some of you, a practical, tangible step is you need to become a member. You need to actually quit being fearful of membership. Oh, I can't become a member. I don't know what they do in the kind of the vigil that you have. Is it a hazing process? It is three hours with Willie and I, so I'll give you that. But we bring great snacks, so, you know. But maybe some of you, you need to just take the step of membership. You just need to say, you know what? I'm going to quit messing around and I'm in. Because, you know, it's the difference between, between being a consumer. Because some people, go, when they first come to the church, and when you first come to the church, you know, it's okay to come and say, hey, I want to see what they have, see what they have for my family. And that's cool. That's absolutely fine. But to stay in a consumer mindset is not right, and it is not good for you, and it is not good for the fellowship. And you can always tell when someone's crossed the divide between consumer, almost customer. They see themselves as a customer, okay? And, and then they've become an owner. You know, it's just like they switch sides of the counter. And, you know, any exchange, the owner has one perspective, the customer has another. And, you know, you can tell when someone's made the, the leap from customer, consumer, over to owner. Because, one, their, their verbiage changes. They stop saying, you know, the way you guys do things around here, and they start saying, the way we do things around here. Subtle little change, but that's one of the big ones. I, I love when that moment happens. The first time a new person, they've been around a while, they've been hanging around, and they, they start talking about, you know, well... The way we do things around here, or, you know, I was noticing the way we do this. Is that, is that the best way we could do it? And whenever someone talks like that, my ears perk up, and I'm like, ah, there's an owner. There's someone who gets it. They're, they're part of this. And then there's a, the person who's not is like, well, well, I don't like the way you do things around here. Or I, I do like the way you do things around here, and they're on the other side. And, you know, it's amazing. Two people can bring the same observation, even a negative observation about how we do something around here. And the person who says, I don't like the way y'all do this around here. And I'm like, that, that's kind of my response. I won't, I'm too mature as a pastor to actually do that to their face, usually. It's when I turn and walk away and I'm just, you know. I'm sorry, what? Praise the Lord, what? Hallelujah. 
But when an owner comes and says, you know, I'm not, I don't like the way we do things around here. I think we can do better. Now my ears perk up. I'm like, okay, because that sounds like someone who sees something and is willing to help be a part of helping it be better. Because there's lots of things we can do better. But the difference is night and day. One person's an owner. One is not. An owner's too busy rowing the boat to rock the boat. And, you know, when I talk about rock the boat, I don't mean just kind of having critiques. I'm talking about making trouble, kind of stirring up things, you know, always critical, always, you know. An owner is rowing. They understand, and they have a totally different perspective because they understand what goes into what's happening. And so they view it differently because they're an owner. An owner is truly committed. And that shows up when somebody inevitably says something stupid that offends you because you've got a bunch of people. We're all just people. So it's going to happen. Owners go, I've got a lot of skin in the game here. I'm, I'm, I'm here. So I've got to work this out. We, well, what does the word say? I've got to go talk to them. We've got to figure it out. We've got to say what's going on. We've got to forgive, ask for forgiveness, work it out, and then walk together because we're committed and this mission's worth it and I own the vision. Whereas consumers just go, well, I'll just go consume somewhere else. And I just want to say, if you've been around here a long time and you're still a consumer and that's your perspective, the minute someone offends me, I'm going to go consume somewhere else, would you just go ahead and do that now? I mean, no offense. Or maybe, yes, maybe offense. I don't know. You know what I'm saying. It really, if, if your deal is, I'm never going to be in on this, I'm never going to be, be an owner, I'm never going to buy into this vision, I'm just here for what I can get until I feel like I can get it somewhere else, um, man, we could use your seat, you know, for someone else. And I hope that's not your, your spirit with which you're here. But it becomes, it's real clear when someone becomes an owner. So the question is, will you own the vision of a church for real life? Because I think a church for real life is a vision worth giving your life to. Thank you, Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Radio for Real Life. And if you'd like to hear this full message called Now What? or this whole series, it's available right now on demand when you find a church for real life at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, with service times on Saturday nights at 5, Sunday mornings at 9.30 and 11.15. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262 as Radio for Real Life is a service of River City Community Church. And we hope you join us again next time for more Real Life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.